It's the Paddle Podcast. What's up, folks? Thank you very much for tuning in to the Paddle Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson. And I know that I have been slacking. I know there's a lot of folks out there. I've gotten the emails. I feel bad, but we've been on this two-month journey throughout the entire United States of America, pretty much, from the tip of Florida up to Pittsburgh, and now uh, Cleveland and San Clemente, all the way up. We are in Santa Cruz right now, up to, uh, just in, and, and spent some time in San Francisco this week, too. So it has been a beautiful run with the family. I appreciate you guys being patient. Uh, I have been working, but I haven't been doing a very good job of getting anything out. So this podcast was recorded in San Clemente about a week and a half ago. Zane and Maddie came by the house and we hung out, got to surf with those guys. It was a ton of fun. Uh, this podcast, I think that you'll find tremendous value in some of the technical aspects that we talk about. Zane's always inspirational and Maddie dives into uh, filming and then because I'm such an advocate of video for progression as a part of the deliberate practice cycle, uh, Maddie breaks down what camera would be a great camera for you to get to have your husband, wife, uh, friends uh, video. And you know you can take turns with your friends and if you get a couple guys, you get three or four guys out surfing and everybody shoots for 15 minutes, you can get an hour and uh, get good video from from the whole thing or a couple hours and share it up equally. It really works. So uh, some big changes are going to be coming very soon for everything that I've been working on. I'm incredibly excited to release all of it. We are about a week away from releasing the movie at this point. I was hoping it would be out last week, but there's a couple extra changes that we're having made. Um, the debut in San Clemente was amazing. It's going to debut in Cape Cod next weekend. Um, Mark is going to be running that one. But it's been an incredible process and it has the process has brought a lot of clarity to everything that I'm doing. And so when we release the film, kind of going to release the new initiatives and that's going to be wonderful. So very excited to do that and to share. Uh, while we were in San Clemente, I got to surf Oceanside with um, Kayo, Zane, Giorgio, and Izzy. That was mind-blowing watching those guys surf. You'll see some of the photos on their Instagrams, mine, from that session. Um, Zane or uh, Maddie was flying the drone and got some great footage of of everybody, and so that was wonderful. And, and Georgia was shooting photos on the beach. Um, I did get to ride Kyo's board. So in this whole race to the bottom and thinking about volume and how it plays in, uh, I rode Kyo's board one day in San Clemente. And it is a 7.0, 24 and a half or 25 at 72 liters. And so right now I'm weighing pretty heavy, like 86, 87 kilos probably. Um, and especially with the jacket top on. And I was able to paddle it, which is, uh, I find it, I found it interesting that I was able to paddle the board and I give the credit to the practice and the drills that I've been doing for stability because when we filmed the progression project, I tried to ride a few of the guys' boards. And the one that I thought that I was going to be able to ride was Noah's. It was a 7624 at 76 liters, I believe. And I had a terrible time standing on it and getting it out of the water. And if you guys have been following the progression journal, you know that I spent, I don't know, about a month and a half, two months really focused on 
balance and what that means on a stand-up. If you're on this progression path, those are very valuable to read if you want to become more stable. And the first opportunity that I've had to ride a very small board was Cayos there at San Clemente on a semi-choppy day, and I was able to paddle a 72-liter board. I sunk it high thigh waist, and through the techniques that I talk about in the progression journal, was able to get the board on the water. And once I was up, I could paddle it around. Now, heart rate was 141 probably 140 uh, while I was doing it. It was not easy. I was working hard, but I definitely did it. Caught waves, have some photos. Um, once, you, once you catch a wave on that board, it's ridiculous. Uh, but I'm going to stick to about body weight, which would be about 83 liters. So I also got two new boards while I was back. If you guys followed, you saw the L41 that I had shaped. I've picked that up. It is a beautiful board. I am not gonna. I have not reviewed it on purpose because I think the fins that are in it are too small right now, and the board lacks drive with the fins. I have done some good turns on the board. Uh, posted one to Instagram, a couple to Instagram now, so you can you can check that out. But I'm gonna wait to really talk about the board until I feel like I've ridden it correctly, because right now I would think it was a little bit um, too slidey and not enough drive. But I think that's a fin problem. The the back the trailer fins are pretty small, so I'm gonna throw in some probably the Dave Bainey fins and check that out. And I also picked up a new Hobie, which is a uh, 7724. The idea with both of the boards that I ordered were they're equal volume, but the volume is distributed very differently. So you've got a 610, 26 and a half, and then you've got a 7724 with almost, all, both of them have all the volume in the middle. The L41 has step rails. The Hobie has a very domed deck. So the difference so far uh, appears that the stability on the Hobie front back is better, side to side, maybe a little bit tippy, paddles fine, had no problem paddling it. And with the L41, you just got to be real careful paddling into chop because with, with it being 6'10 uh, and without a lot of nose rocker, you get the nose under and the whole board's under by about a foot right away. So it's doable. It's, uh, it's not terribly difficult. Neither one of them are. I think I could drop volume again, but I think it's going to be fun to paddle boards that are, are fun to paddle this upcoming season. So, uh, Last note, I get a lot of questions about wetsuits. I don't ever surf in a wetsuit. And being here in Santa Cruz, I've had about four or five sessions now at Pleasure Point on the stand-up. Um, and I'm going to blog a little bit about stand-up in crowds and haven't had any problems. Everybody's been super cool. And in, in a way of where at least three people told me you probably shouldn't hop on a stand-up out there. Um, but there's no problem. I just got out of the water right now. It's like 10 foot on the face and uh, surfed with a couple of local guys on a stand-up and everybody was really cool. I will say that I rode the 7.6 JP. It's a 7.627 at 92 liters and I'm riding uh, wearing a 4.3 with booties because I don't handle cold so well. Water temperature is like 55 and it adds a, it probably adds 15 pounds pretty easily. So it takes that 92 liter JP, makes it feel like an 85 liter board. And so uh, was was not as easy. So definitely a lot to be said for riding bigger volumes uh, when you get, you know, when you have to put on the wetsuit. But I will also add that that extra weight then allowed me to drive the board better than I've been able to drive that, that JP before. So I was able to hold lines um, a little bit better based on having that extra weight. So it's not all negative. I think you just have to find that balance between what you are weighing and the board uh, relative, and you'll be able to surf it fairly similarly. 
Um, and I definitely like being out here with all this wildlife, having on a wetsuit, uh, I mean, uh, uh, being standing up, um, being out of the water. I couldn't surf out here without a wetsuit. It'd be too cold. But All right. That was a long preamble, <clears throat> but that's kind of what you can look forward to on the Progression Journal here over the next month as I settle back in and really start working. Look for the film to come out here in about a week if all goes well and some exciting new uh, announcements from everything that I've been working on. So I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in and sticking with me with this lack of uh, output here, but that's about to ramp up and it's going to be an incredibly fun year. So listen to this podcast. It is, I, I kept the discussion with Zane fairly technical so that there's value in it for people on the progression path. Uh, Zane's also a great storyteller, so you'll get that as well. Hit me with emails, eric, E-R-I-K, at paddlewoo.com, and I will see you guys again soon. Maddie and Zane Schweitzer, thank you guys for coming back on the Paddlewoo podcast. How are you all today? All good, all good. Another beautiful day here in California and had a great paddle on the Laguna Cliff side there and it was a lot of fun and uh, stoked to be here hanging out with you again, Eric. Well, we just wrapped up Pacific Paddle Games, which was quite a show. Um, and I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm not a racer, but I'm incredibly impressed with what the guys are doing, especially in the surf races. Why don't you give a little recap of what went down this weekend? Um, from the Pacific Paddle Games. Yeah, the Pacific Paddle Games is definitely an event that uh, a lot of the athletes look forward to every year. Um, and I think the industries and spectators too, because it's just such an awesome event for people to watch right on Doheny Beach and all the different vendors and uh, different companies set up promoting their products and whatnot. But um, the event is so exciting with the surf race technical course format. You know, it really gives a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity for the guys that are not necessarily the fastest paddlers, and it really mixes up the field a lot because it it plays a big role to know what the ocean's doing, to have a little bit of ocean knowledge, and uh, to be able to fully control your board riding the wave and punching out through the surf and uh, so there's so many different aspects than just being a fast paddler that come into the picture at races like this and um, you know for me I've recently taken a, a pretty big step back from the racing because so much of it has been flat water and there's so many events and it oh man it's crazy but with these kind of uh, events in the surf, with course racing, you know, you really have to, you have to be able to maneuver your board and fully control it and, and uh, have ocean knowledge. And it, it, there's more variety and uh, I guess requires a little bit more than just being a fast power. You know, you could get, there's fast powers coming out of the woodworks all over the place lately. And, um, but ocean knowledge is something that takes lifetime of experience. And so, it, it kind of separates the field a little bit. Yeah, and I should note that since the last time that Zane was on the show uh, and since the Progression Project filmed, Zane won the Ultimate Waterman, so huge congrats on that. That's got to be one of the biggest honors that you can receive, knowing that you're a Waterman and then to win the Ultimate Waterman. So big ups. That's right bad. on, Eric. Thanks. Uh, where does that sit in your kind of... It, wh wh where, what's the place for you for the Ultimate Waterman? The Ultimate Waterman uh, event 
it's definitely the biggest achievement or I guess the achievement that I take most pride in um, out of out of all the the wins I've had um, I think just because it's always been a dream of mine it's been a wish of mine literally to you know to become one of the world's best watermen one to be recognized as one of the world's best watermen and to be able to learn all aspects of the ocean and and uh, take take advantage of every day on the water and uh, winning this event man I really did take take it close to the heart because uh, it was a lot of different sports eight different ocean sports within a 10-day period and um, but besides the whole competition and and uh, being able to win against some of the best watermen in the world um, it was just a trip of a lifetime being able to connect with with uh, this this uh, select group of watermen cho hand chosen by Laird Hamilton and Titus Kinimaka you know it was an invitational of uh, what they thought the best watermen in the world and um, and so to meet those guys and learn from all of them on a day-to-day -day basis and and compete with them um, was was something real special you know be able I, I've always looked up to Kal Alexander and Mark Visser and Manoa Jolet and you know of course Danny Ching um, and to be able to be on a trip with with those guys and Kyle Vaz and Connor Baxter and you know the the team it was a uh, epic time every day it was a mobile event so every day we were moving location sometimes jumping in a helicopter with our surfboard on our lap and landing on the beach that was just you know completely just lonely spot no people for miles just flying into this exotic location dropping in on the beach jumping out of the, the helicopter with our boards you know it was like pretty insane actually some some of the experiences we had over there we got to see the country like none other it was amazing yeah i was hanging with kaya the other day on the beach and he was explaining that whole setup of having the six helicopters running down the beach and just the massive budget he said it was a million dollar budget for the contest that's insane and now if you haven't followed the ultimate waterman it's been released on red bull tv is that right oh yeah they they just actually recently released 10 uh, extra videos, two-minute videos. Um, so there's three main shows um, separating the endurance sports, the surf sports, and uh, the ceremony. How do folks find it? They could find it on Red Bull TV. Okay. Uh, you go redbulltv.com, I think it is. Um, or you could find it on my social media platform, uh, on, either on Facebook, Zane Kikoa Schweitzer, or my Instagram, Zaniac1. And uh, I, have, I have the link featured there right at the top of my headline. And uh, yeah, it, it's a really cool show. You know, um, they really had epic cinematography, like you said, million dollar budget. They, Ridiculous. They had twice as many production crew as they did athletes in the competition <laughs> so it was just uh it, it was quite the um i guess facilitated event when it comes to um so much coordination organization especially with the mobile format every day we're competing somewhere else just getting the athletes and the equipment there was a hassle let alone the production crew but um yeah they captured the event and the culture the competition um it was De it's definitely a show to check out for sure a lot of fun action in it and um they really captured the the energy and the the maori culture in the, in the, the video too which is really cool all right let's bounce from that 
to the progression project, which you guys got to see at the San, uh, the OC Tavern, San Clemente showing here the other night. Uh, what's your thoughts on the project? I was so stoked to finally share it with you guys after, yeah, Maddie chime in on this one first. Oh, um, I, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, you liked it? Great, great stuff. Oh, the, the cinematography, the footage, uh, the, the way it was put together is really good. And you're able to see the athletes really enjoying themselves, having a good time, and uh, really innovating. You know, they weren't, it wasn't a heat. They weren't just focused on the same basic old turns. Uh, you could tell they were really pushing it, pushing each other. Yeah. One of the goals of the project was, I mean, everyone's dropping insane edits, right? Like you guys are dropping insane edits and Kyle, everybody on, on that was at the, the project drops insane edits. But the goal with this project was to get to know you guys a little bit better to showcase just the fun that's being had and the fun of that trip. And so I think that came through. Um, what'd you think Zane? Well, I got chicken skin actually just thinking about it because <laughs> I've known a lot of these guys for years and this trip, I feel like I really connected with them. You know, you're saying it was something for other people to get to know us, but I feel like we got to know each other so much more uh, that trip. I mean, um, we really were got to uh, band together as Bush Boys. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you watch the movie, you'll, you'll get in on that inside joke. But um, it was just such a good time, Eric. And I can't, can't tell you how much we appreciate you hosting us out there at the Blue Zone Surf Camp in Costa Rica and, and uh, being able to surf all those epic, uh, um, pretty pretty empty locations in Nosara. You know, it's pretty cool. It's at the top of my... Um, top of the list for the trips I've been on for sure. <laughs> uh, it was cool too that you got to hang out for an extra day or two at the end of that trip and uh, just kind of surf and that was a good time too. Um, all right, let's jump into what my focus has been for the last year and I know that you're also very passionate about mastery and about coaching. Um, and so in the last year, anyone who's been following the show knows that I've been studying mastery as much as I can. I've had some incredible teachers uh, in this realm, deliberate practice, been talking about the book Peak, which I think everyone out there should read if you want to get better. Uh, and specifically how to communicate those skill sets with surfers that I work with. So. Zane, you are a master at paddle surfing, and Maddie, you're Zane's coach. Um, let's start off with, can you guys define your relationship, how you work together, what Maddie's role is as coach for you, and then uh, we're going to get into some specific questions about how you practice and improve. Yeah, you know, it's... Uh pretty special to be able to share um what what i what i get to experience you know these trips these events and you know share my career with my brother you know we get to work together um on on all aspects of my career when it comes to coaching video analysis um making sure i'm not having too much fun on the travels you know being able to have uh my brother with me on these events and trips it makes me not as homesick too to be able to have family with me and um it's it's a really cool relationship we have too because you know as much as he's sparked my fire and, and passion for for competition and and learning new things uh and and the ocean because i've always followed him around and all of his friends he's six years older than me and um i've always uh wanted to just hang out with maddie and all of his friends and uh I'd and, and maddie's crew is no joke i mean you hang with some of the best surfers in the world 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm pretty I mean, pretty, I, well, I follow you on Instagram, and it's I'm like pretty, pretty fortunate to grow up on Maui. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 Who, do you, who do you surf with? Um, I mean, growing up as a kid, it's all all my best friends. You know, are just um, you know my next door neighbors up, up in Kahana. Growing up, were the Larson brothers, Granger Larson, Wesley Larson. Uh, then when we moved, uh, just when I was 13 years old, uh, my next they they were friends for life. But then again, I was right living right in between Clay Marzo and Dusty Payne, who you know some of the best surfers in the world. You know, Dusty's the best surfer ever out of Maui right now on the world tour and uh, Clay Marzo is just the most innovative freak anyone's ever seen on a surfboard so um but just growing up with those guys have always inspired me and uh you know I've, I've had my sets of injuries and stuff that have held me back and but right now I'm just like I'm super stoked to be able to be where I am and helping my friends I really do feel like I'm helping them by uh you know getting footage and uh, supporting them anywhere I can at events. And so, for folks who don't know Maddie, Maddie is an incredible photographer, videographer. His drone setup right now is ridiculous. Um, did a lot of the work at the PPG this week. And some of the shots out of Maui that you've been doing, the whales, it's just fascinating. Not to mention just the surfing footage, too, but the um, I've noticed in following, it seems like the last 18 months, that you've really dialed in the li- like the lifestyle and the nature. Mm, yeah, I, I don't know if you've been focusing on that. No, but it's, it's coming really through. funny you say that. I did. I went through a real big change. You know, um, got yeah, seriously, about eighteen months ago or so. You know, yep. I, I just I, I wasn't making too much money. You know, I was really everything was focused on helping out my brother and promoting my brother and surfing and surfing. And uh, Zane helped me get my career to where it's at. And I almost was that kind of a standstill and uh all of a sudden i i really started enjoying actually and learning about photography and videography and not just shooting the boy surfing you know which i've always done and i started getting artsy and really enjoying it and really starting to love photography as well and uh, all of a sudden i just uh, with the drone too i was able to see my hometown places i've seen my whole life and see them from a whole new perspective. And the drone thing has really opened my mind and uh, helped me be able to uh, go go on a whole new route, kind of. You know, and, and especially the last last uh, year and a half. You know, it's it's been really really cool journey. And uh, especially becoming a father and a parent now, I'm not able to travel with Zane all the time. So especially this past year, I mean, Zane's been gone almost all the time. So I don't really have Zane to film. So I'm kind of out early mornings doing some just shooting Maui which is one of the most beautiful places in the world yeah um well it shows in your work now let's get back to the coaching uh progression conversation how do you see your role as Zane's coach um how do you coach someone as talented as Zane yeah maybe that's that's a better question that's a great question you know and that's uh, it's a good question in general because it's like I'm I'm switching right now from brother it's always just been brother it's always just been big brother (laughs) you know i've been a coach but in my mind i'm just being a big brother it's it's a responsibility and a duty that i've been super stoked ever since the day he was born and he's inspired me just literally since day one i've seen him grow up and i remember him as a little kid and the things he did were much different than any other little kid and everybody knew that and he was the only little kid out when the waves were big whether he was sneaking in our car, we were letting him or not. 
um, it, it was, you know, he was always pushing the limits, especially, you know, I can't believe my father let him race as much dirt bikes as he did because he put that kid on a dirt bike in his full throttle. You know, he'd, he, he'd, he'd finish the race, but he might have a broken wrist that he would, he would realize the next day and his bike would barely be hanging on together with a flat tire and, but he, he'd finish the race and probably win it too, you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah he's, uh, I think we, we inspire each other, you know, and, uh, now that I've kind of, he's grown past me and he's a man, I don't really, uh, more ever even more than ever i'm realizing I'm not so much a big brother anymore and uh he's no, inspiring me no yeah <laughs> but I, I have to look at it in a whole new way because he's now a professional he's not a little kid he's not my little brother he he's a professional and i um i'm really enjoying the 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 whole new route that we've kind of been taking the last year or two and uh i'm really excited for future you know this year was going to be a big year for us we we're really excited and then uh got my wife ended up having a beautiful little baby girl so put a few things on hold there but um i'm really really stoked on where we're going we got some crazy new plans in the future but with videography i think that's the biggest thing that's uh that helped with zane you know uh, just being able to come in see his clips he literally comes in sometimes when he does a good clip make sure i got it number one <laughs> and then uh comes in looks at the wave goes back out and he's uh he's always critiquing himself and it's uh it's it, that right there is just a, a real big plus just to be able to see himself and not just get what I'm telling him. So Zane, then feedback. So the parts of deliberate, deliberate practice are having a specific skill to work on, being able to practice that skill, and then getting quick, accurate feedback on that. And that's what we use video for. Uh, it sounds like you use video for the same thing. Um, let's talk through... Is there a specific turn or an error that you've learned recently? Can we talk through the process of you learning something new and how that came about? Yeah, for sure. I think we could start with the most basic of thing, just just riding a riding a wave in general. And um, what about for you though? Is there something specific that you've been working on recently? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm about through. to say it's oh, the okay, most okay, basic. It's the most <laughs> basic thing. You know, you wouldn't ever think about it. For me, you know, my brother is telling me, "Oh Zane, you need to get wider. You need to get lower through all your maneuvers. Lower your center of gravity." It'll, and and you know, it, I know, I know that. Yeah, you have a lower stance, lower center of gravity. Wide with wider and lower, you have more stability, more room to um, catch your mistakes, and more less less room for mistakes in general. And uh, and I think I'm low. And then I'll come and watch the video and be like, damn, I can get lower, or I'm hinging out with my with my butt instead of actually bending down to the board and sometimes it's the simplest things is just that where I have to constantly remind myself okay wider stance and lower and that's something I almost remind myself every every wave wider stance lower because the wider you are and the lower you are the more room you have for weight distribution moving your hips from your front foot to your back foot and also the the more more options you have for uh, recovering from a mistake or, or from uh, from a drop you know drop the wallet you know lay back maneuver you know so um, it could be as simple as that you know but a, a maneuver specifically that that I've been working on is is landing um, landing a 
rot you know rotation air reverses where you do an aerial and um, you whip the tail out and land either backwards or, or even further and finish you know with with the full rotation and um, you know it's it's a little what I've been critiquing myself with on that um, is removing the paddle from the face of the water a little sooner because to throw my body and the board up up to uh, big high enough air to um, do a rotation and have enough air time to, to rotate with that big stand-up paddle board have to have a lot of speed number one have to have a good powerful section with right timing number two and you need to really utilize your paddle. Number three, you need to. You're not going to be doing air on these boards without it. You know, you throw your paddle up, up high towards the nose as you're coming up to the lip, and you literally put all, everything into the paddle. You know, you, you stroke and you throw yourself up and over the lip with the paddle. And then what I've been trying to transition my thought is going from that powerful stroke, throwing myself up and over, to releasing it. And, and then transitioning my hands from down low um, towards my left hip, throwing up high towards the right shoulder. So then you could uh, throw your momentum in that direction. And um, it's actually a lot trickier than it sounds because a lot of the time your, your, your paddle is uh, almost acting as... Um, you know traction it's holding you holding you into yep. the wave and that's why you're getting that energy to throw yourself up and and over the lip but so you got to be able to um be able to twist the paddle and slice through at the right moment and be able to go from pushing to pulling on yep. the paddle and i think that's generally a really basic uh tip for anybody paddling on, on the waves or in the surf or, or any kind push and pull of the paddle push and pull of water you play with the push and pull with your paddle and uh you're gonna really learn how to control your board your board uh you know your steering your your tracking yeah that's actually a good point i i noticed the same thing in trying airs a lot lately i've found that i'm a lot better kind of coming out in front of the wave it's easier for me to kind of launch on a really late lip and pull almost like you're going to do a floater but then project in front of the wave mm -hmm but I tend to get caught on my paddle when I want to do a higher, straighter air to where the paddles kind of catches the tail of the board almost as you come up. Mm -hmm. So I've been playing around with that, but the, the release is something else that I've been focused on a whole lot because trying to dial in harder rail turns, you have to start with the paddle incredibly heavy, but then if the paddle stays in, it's going to throw you more into like a tail slide almost. And so... Like I, I watch um, Mo had a couple good ones from the from the project, and I've been breaking those down. And he'll set it, and then immediately, right as soon as his rail is set, he releases and throws his shoulder, throws his paddle around, mm -hmm. and that's a that's a beautiful turn. But just learning that release of the paddle has been uh, really beneficial. And I and I haven't really played with it for airs, but I guess that would work too oh yeah well i mean to use the paddle like that's a perfect example right there with doing a big open face gouge initiating your whole rail to be able to do so you really need to use the paddle you know and lock in a, a st powerful stroke up high towards the nose and throw yourself in that direction and then release quickly because if you're throwing yourself in that direction you're actually twisting your arms and your shoulders in the opposite direction than you want to go yep and so 
you you want to initiate throw yourself and then release and follow through with the arms and shoulders exactly and that's where a lot of paddle surfers do those check turns Yep. Because they don't oh, release yeah. the paddle, and so you're just doing that check turn exactly. off the top, and, and then you, you have stability. The game. And you have the paddle in the water the whole time, where it, okay. it goes from this stability thing, where you're relying on the paddle to, to keep yourself up on the board. Exactly. Well, the master of that, though, who pulls it off somehow is Colin. Because Colin keeps his paddle in the water the whole time, but still does this beautiful cutback mm. on rail. But he's, he's still sitting on his paddle a little bit. He's using it as a, but if you're going to drive a nine foot board, yeah. you might need to do that a little bit I think more. It's all, oh, besides Zane, of course, Mo Friedis by far to me has the best rail game. There's nobody that surfs yep. a short board quite like, uh, surfs a stand up paddle almost like he's on a short board like Mo does. Zane does the same thing, but in a whole different radical, innovative way. Whereas Mo's just, He's got rail game, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's baffling because he's on his board. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's cool to watch you guys because you surf at the same level but very differently. You're very different surfers, you and Mo. It's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, you're you know, a it's lot a, power. Everyone, you, everyone looks at a canvas differently. Oh, sure. You know, if you have an empty canvas in front of you, mm-hmm. you know, there's not one person in the room that's going to be thinking the same thing. You know, what they're going to put, what their first line's going to be on that empty canvas. And on a wave, it's this, you know, I mean, there's a guideline that the wave wants you to follow, you know, if you're doing it right. But for the most part, you add your own personality and, you know, your own flair into into that canvas, which is our, our face of the wave. Yeah. Well, and you are very bit different body types and you ride very different boards too. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting. It was fun. I don't know if you listened to the show. Um, I talked about the progression project with some guys that I was, that I was coaching and they talked about some of the stuff that we were talking about on a podcast on the Tim Ferriss show. But um, they were discussing when everybody on the trip uh, started switching boards because everyone was riding, like there was a couple days there near the end of the trip where everyone was riding everybody else's boards and they come yeah. in and geeking out about how they felt. We didn't get any clips in the movie on that because our sponsors would have been <laughs> no. dumb. But, but that was a lot of fun riding everyone's different equipment. Cause like sure. you say, it really does, uh, every board does have a different feel. And, you know, uh, I think we all kind of adapt to a certain style and a feel that we like. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going on a board like Giorgio's or Moe's. You know, you could kind of think, oh, maybe that's where that's coming from. Right. Open your mind up. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. cool to definitely be able to jump on other people's equipment and, and get the kind of relation of maybe where they're getting the inspiration of, to do what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. You, you mentioned something earlier that I'd like to touch on a little bit more deeply, which is when you're going for surfing, you're starting something new you might keep in your head just stay a little bit lower and something that I have found in coaching is that and for myself too I I started doing this for me a couple years ago but now I've found that it's also the most effective way to get someone to change behavior and that is through only focusing on two or three things for a surf session for improvement and having basically one keyword for each of those to remind you how to do it because it because if, if you totally. start thinking about too much totally too much 100 you get lost in your own mind. i some i actually sometimes just do one thing some, one sometimes thing. i'll go out and i'm gonna be like i'm gonna throw airs and that's mm-hmm. all i'm gonna do i don't care if i don't land one of them i'm just gonna throw them as high and as ridicule and as much rotation as i can 
and you know that's how you do things trial and error and especially with surfing it's not like you're at a skate park where you could hit the same section over and over again and add you have to add so much different variables to every every time you try it you know you're hitting a different ramp um, every time you, you throw it and so you have to be able to uh, understand every situation of it and to have those reminders those key words like you're saying um, like for me it's it's uh, before before I take off on the wave I'm gonna say okay get get low get wide you know so I start the wave in the right position and then I'm not and I'm already from square one I'm set up to be doing something and something radical Yep. And I'm not going to be worried, oh, my foot's in the wrong spot. Or yep. I'm not low enough. For a lot of intermediate surfers, the word that I have them focus on is stringer. Make sure your front foot's right on your stringer. Mm -hmm. You know, you find a lot of problems with, uh, with surfing when you're kind of surfing in that parallel stance. So when you're taking off and you've got your front foot on your backside rail, and then, and then you go to turn, you got to move your back foot, and all of a sudden that rail catches the water a little bit. And so... Um, if you're out there listening and you're intermediate and you're looking for some keywords, uh, a stringer is a good one. Just make sure that as you're taking off, your front foot's square on your stringer, and then that'll give you um, side to side stability through the rest of the wave. Because once you're set up, you're set up. Yeah, and that that actually really that reminds me of something that I say a lot to some of our some of our surf at some of our surf camps. And I told actually our group from Barika Surf Camp in the Basque Country to, to tune in. And listen to this. So if you're listening, guys, um, front, back, and side to side. <laughs> front, back, and side to side. I always say that when I'm teaching my uh, subsurf clinics and camps. And it's kind of catchy, you know. Front, back, and side to side. And what that's relating to is your back foot. Mm -hmm. Front foot, always on the stringer. Oh, yep. Back foot, getting comfortable shuffling front, back, and side to side. Yep. Front being up forward when you're pumping down the line when you need that stability and the comfort. Back being when you're getting ready to do a turn, you step back right up against that, that tail or the kick pad, whatever you have there, and side to side when you're going for toe side or a heel side turn. Yep. And on a stand-up paddleboard, you really have to get comfortable going front, back, and side to side with that back foot. Yep. And um, you know you, you have to get comfortable moving around a little bit. <laughs> for sure, for sure. That, that's beautiful that you say that we have a drawing of like a tail with the four fins like a quad fin setup and then the foot placement for front side bottom turn and then the back side because it basically makes an x on your board yeah you, your front your, your bottom turning over your front fin and then you're hitting the lip or doing your cutback over your back fin and it changes rails and so if you kind of visualize that x and i'll try to include that in the show notes so people can see that or if you've got any resources too like um that's another good thing to focus on for sure for sure let's uh talk about stroke technique a little bit and specifically let's start the discussion with one of our last podcasts was with Larry Kane the Olympic gold medalist in the OC1 I believe in 1984 and he has a beautiful a beautiful stroke and one of the things that he said on the show was about leaning forward getting your weight over your toes mm -hmm. putting all your weight on your blade and pulling the 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 board to the paddle mm -hmm. and yeah. and that's i mean his stroke is incredible and i've always focused on and coached uh, the hinge where you're kind of dropping your i call it like gorilla butt or foundation training where you're dropping your butt back you're pulling your butt back mm -hmm. so you can counterbalance the reach 
because when you're riding a small board, it's very difficult. So I went out and I drilled a little bit to see if I could get my weight forward. I couldn't. Let's talk about surf stroke versus race stroke for you. And first question, can you lean forward and put your weight on your toes when you're riding a small board? No, you can't. Or at least the board that I'm riding, I can't. Um, I ride a 7.2 by 24 most of the year, my Insane Pro model at Starboard. Yep, beautiful board. What's the volume on that board and what do you weigh? It comes in, in around 68 liters. And I'm in, um, I'm around 60 uh kilos i want to say 155 pounds okay i think i think it's like maybe 60 or 68 i'm i'm not sure um but yes to answer your question you you cannot really move your weight onto your toes and lean forward as much as you would want to on a race board um on a race board you try to minimize your movements from side to side east to west maximize your movements and your weight distribution from north to south front to back and um with with your sub surfboard a lot of the time we have to just keep our center of gravity generally center yep. and um be able to pull the board along um well, i almost have to stay a little tail weighted just to keep the nose yeah riding right totally especially if you're riding these small boards you're almost you're pushing water the yep. whole time you have your board um your tail sunk a little bit so you're not so that nose is always above the water if it's underwater a little bit then you won't have as much control so um a stat i find the vet and i hate to say it, i've been working on this so much lately because i've thrown my body out of whack so much over the last 10 years 11 12 years of stand-up pal surfing is a stagger stance is uh is really does help your balance on a smaller sub surfboard having a having a stagger stance when i say stagger your toes are still pointing generally forward but your your feet are staggered one uh more in front or behind the other for me my my left foot is is back behind the handle and my front foot is just in forward in front of the handle a little bit and uh the handle is usually the center of the board if you guys don't know that um, and so then you have your control from side to side, but you also have um, control from front to back um, really comfortably. And it's, it's just a better foundation. You have yeah. a more solid foundation. Um, so, so yeah, to answer your que question a little more shortly, no, you can't be leaning onto your toes as much on a smaller board subsurfing. How does your stroke change from racing to surfing what, what's the the leaders that you're riding on a race board you're riding it's 12 6 and i think are you riding 21 wide now yeah so oh, this wild this weekend at the certain power games i rode the new 14 by 21.5 sprint that's like standing on a log <laughs> it's about as wide as most prone boards prone paddle boards but um you know we've been testing it and um it's more stable than most of the 23 inch wide starboards from last year so uh it's amazing how stable they are with still the uh that, that narrow less surface area to drag against the water and uh they're considerably faster but what impressed me the most was the control on the wave and uh how stable they were but um so changing it from surf stroke to uh to race um you know, kind of generally, I said a little bit earlier, on the race board, you want to minimize your movements kind of from east to west, side to side, and kind of uh, focus your energy and your, your momentum more north to south. Um, and so on the subsurf board, you, you kind of want to stay generally um, generally above your, your hips. 
and uh, kind of like a smaller um, movement. I'd say half or a third of um, of of your stroke. Like if you could imagine your stroke as a you know a boom box, you know the volume knob, and you have it cranked up all the way, you know that's when you're cocking your butt back as much as you can, and you're reaching as far forward as you can to get that reach. You're dropping your chest onto that paddle to get that to help with gravity and leverage to help get your depth, your maximum depth of the blade. Then you engage your hips and your core, and you start pulling your hips forward as that paddle pulls back, and um, you know you really. Uh, you really engage, engage uh, the the whole body and maximize each movement. But if we turn down the volume, down quarter, you know, bring it down to one third or one quarter of that, it's the same movement, just less. And uh, so that's what I do on my sub surfboard because I still want to think about having good technique and good posture. Because on the sub surfboard, we we tweak our body um, a little bit because we're paddling mostly on one side. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I I try to tell myself paddle more. You know, try to even out the strokes on each side because most time I'm paddling 80% on my left. Right. You know, because I'm goofy footed, um, and that tweaks my body a little bit and kind of makes me a little sore on my right shoulder and my left hip and <laughs> makes my left leg bigger than my right leg and, <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> and so you know it kind of uh you know tweaks us out a little bit so i try to do my best to stay symmetrical as much as i can um when i'm sup surfing but like i said before sometimes it's uh it's easier to, for stability to have a stagger stance and you have a lot more power and it feels more comfortable to paddle on your front side so you know it's kind of you have to have an even balance how much do you roll your shoulders in when you when you enter with the blade are you, you now are we talking race mode or when I'm really thinking about technique on a training session? <laughs> because, you, know, it's like, you know, it's one thing when like you're out on a beautiful, calm day, you know, you're up early in the morning, you just had your coffee, you, you're walking out to the sunrise, you throw your board down and you think, okay, my first stroke off the beach is going to be perfect. And you just keep that rhythm and a nice pace and you're, you're going and you're getting killer. You're looking down your GPS and you're like, man, my average speed is rad and I feel like I'm barely putting in any effort and that's when you know your technique and your effort and your uh, your efficiency is all lined up with your technique and you know when the race starts and that horn blows <laughs> it's a different story you know that's when you're a good a good paddler and your training is coming to good work is when that horn blows and you can still keep your focus and composure and your technique and uh, that's where experience and time competing really takes a, a, a lot of a lot um, it comes a lot into the game, but to answer your question, it's like it's it's hard to um, to really have perfect stroke during the race. Um, I try to as much as I can remind myself to breathe and and, and not get too far caught up in the the pace of, of competition, because a lot of the time we do our best when we're when we're um, when we're focusing on doing our own thing and keeping our own line and uh, being having a, a state of almost efficient effortless paddling sometimes when you get in that state you know where your technique is lining up with your effort and you just feel like you're getting that stroke to glide ratio and you know so getting getting that rhythm you know takes a little more practice in the in the craziness of a race 
Um, but when I do paddle on my own with training, racing, I do try and roll my shoulders and get a good torque, get good torque and twist. Now, one of the best things that's really helped my technique with rolling the shoulders and really opening my shoulders towards the reach and being able to pull my, my paddle back while keeping a straight access of my spine above, above my hips has been surf ski training. Um, paddling a surf ski the last two years has uh, I, I'd like to say dramatically helped my, um, my, my strength, my torque and twist strength. Um, because on the surf ski, you're sitting generally upright, not too much uh, forward to back movement, and you're just twisting on an axis above your hips of your spine, where you're almost just keeping your chest pretty upright, and you're and it's just twisting from side to side, left to right, and you're really spinning your at your spine on a straight axis. And uh, that has really helped my strength for torque and twist and being able to open and roll the shoulders, as you were saying. Uh, I've got some, I got a question here from a good friend, which is, how do you, how do you focus on surf training when there's, when there's no waves? Do you focus on surf training when there's no waves? What do you do? What drills do you do? What is your, not necessarily out of water, but out of good surf training in preparation for surfing? Well, I think surf, surfing in general is always the first thing on my mind. <laughs> but a know? lot of folks who listen yeah. are landlocked or yeah. they live in Florida and yeah, yeah. it's tough to be a surfer in totally. Florida. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. I understand that. And, uh, and not every day we have waves to surf, too. So if I wake up in the morning, you know, usually I'm like, oh, I hope there's waves. And, you know, if there's no waves and I still want to train for surfing, then I'm going to do anything else in the ocean, whatever Mother Nature tells me to do. If it's windy, I'll go windsurf. If it's just completely dead, no wind, no waves, I'll go dive, work on breath holding, work on breathing. Um, if it's a day, maybe it's a good day just to paddle around and enjoy the enjoy the coastline, enjoy your lake, work on... Um, yeah, and in that case, one of the best things you can do, and I'm telling you guys to try this, whether you're on a pool, whether you're on a lake, a river, doesn't matter. If you want to get better at subsurfing and you all you have is flat water, if you dial in um, paddling on your front side in your stagger surf stance or even in your full surf stance and uh, really dial in your tracking ability, your ability to stay in a straight line and even control your direction left to right while staying on one side with the paddle on your surf side. If you could do that, your wave count is going to skyrocket because the biggest problem with most subsurfers coming into the scene is, you know, they, they compensate their rotation, not, uh, they don't compensate for their rotation enough because they see the wave coming, they start paddling for it. By the time the wave gets close to them they've over rotated their turn because they've paddled too many times on one side and by the time the wave gets close you think oh I've overturned and then you're switching to your backside which you have no power to paddle into the wave with so you have to be able to compensate and, and time your rotation to where your nose is pointing straight into the beach and to be able to track have the ability to paddle in a straight line on one side is going to help your 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 
it's your, your wave count's gonna go up so much because then you could be in your stagger stance or in your surf stance and paddle only on your on your front side and have full control of oh, okay I need to shift left oh I need to shift right I need to straighten out the waves about to hit me so that's one of the biggest things of practice is tracking ability paddling on one side let's talk about that for a little bit because I used to have problems doing that and I was inspired by Connor's first podcast when he was talking about being able to do circles both ways practicing doing yep. circles both ways and so I went out and I was I was trying to do that and I just I never felt like I could actually kind of get that front side turn with your paddle on your front side then I went through a phase where I was really trying to understand balance on small stand-up boards so I could relate it to folks and what I learned through that was that once you get down to a pretty close to equal weight to volume ratio I don't believe there's such a thing as balance anymore there's only controlling the fall so you want to always control your fall to fall paddle side so that then you can push yourself mm -hmm. back up so it's a controlled fall and once I realized that I realized that you kind of weight that front side rail or the backside rail and when you're doing that and when you're traveling through the water kind of on that so say you're paddling toe side and then you're weighting that toe side rail that's really when you can start tracking because then you can you have something to work off of you can mm -hmm. use that rail to guide direction is that how you guide direction when you're paddling or can you stay flat and through just the stroke paddle paddle straight or to the right I think that I could definitely paddle paddles flat and still control my direction left or right, but it for sure helps to be able to lock your rail in and have have a you know it's almost like a fin. Yeah. You know, you when you sink your rail and you have a, a little bit more tracking ability because it's that rail is is sunk in into the into the surface of the water and, and that you're rocker's slicing the surface. Yeah, and on the race boards, almost more so, yes, I have to lean from side to side to control my board left to right. Because on the race boards, you, um, you know, a lot of the time you don't want to step back to lift the nose up. With these displacement holes, if the nose is in the water, good luck turning it, really, right? But if you actually lean on your right side when you're paddling on your, um, on your, on your left, so if, if you're paddling on your left side and you want to continue paddling left, it's really hard to paddle to the left if you have your paddle on your left side. But if you sink your right rail, the opposite you'd think, you know, it actually counter counter turns. And uh, it's weird because windsurf racing is the same thing. And that's where I, I think that's how Connor and I were so easily able to uh, translate um, board control on bigger race boards with displacement holes um, it was from our windsurfing experience. Because most of the windsurf race boards that we use, you know, the only, you know, we, you have to counterbalance. You lean on the right rail and you're gonna turn left. You lean on the left rail and you're gonna turn right. It's a trip. That's how it works. And um, so yes, answer your question. Yes, you can. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a jump. Pass the mic to Maddie. Maddie. Yeah. Congrats on the video of Zane on the hydrofoil. Oh, cool. uh, so, so Maddie, uh, during the Pacific Paddle Games, there was an expression session, and Zane came out on the hydrofoil. Maddie got some video of it. It's a beautiful video. If you haven't seen it, check out his Instagram, M A T five 
oh oh not zero not zero oh uh check it out you'll see the video but it has over three hundred thousand views in the last what two to three days ridiculous yeah, not even 48 hours yet yeah so congrats on that thank you beautiful video uh my question for you which is going to start another little series of questions here is what do you think about hydrofoils in lineups great question so i'm a surfer at heart you know i'm uh, I, I do a lot of coaching with zane stand-up paddle world and stuff but uh when the waves get over waist high i'm surfing i'm longboarding i'm shortboarding and that's what zane proved at the ultimate waterman event too is that he, he at heart is a is a surfer but uh so to answer that question i i i have the same mind state as a lot of the surfers do uh in in situations like that where we you need to do the elements that's why zane is so good at what he does because when it's good he's shortboarding all right when uh when like he said when it's windy he's windsurfing and he's really taking advantage of all the elements and you need to be hydrofoiling in the correct places where what it's made for you don't need to be hydrofoiling out at pipeline you don't need to be hydrofoiling out at honolulu bay Hydrofoils really are made for open ocean swells, for swells that nobody can surf, for swells that you can't even surf on a longboard. So, um, yeah, to, to really get down to it, the hydrofoils, if, you, if you're thinking about getting into it, it it's, it's really, really is, you, you need to look at it like you are dancing with scissors, just like people are joking around with, because it's a very, very dangerous thing. You know, you need to know the safety things and never ever ever go without a leash because that thing will just go and go and go all the way in without you if, if you fall down so leashes are number number one and uh, of course hitting other people you know you it's not an easy thing to control so we don't recommend at all anybody surfing or trying to surf hydrofoil waves anywhere where there's any people around at all what what that video that i just posted that's kind of uh, going off right now that was during that was at an event during a demonstration they asked him to go out every single person in the water was part of the event and they were fully aware that zane and ridge lenny were both out there doing that and it's zane yeah yeah doing it right like yeah it's yeah. not just anybody doing yeah. it and like you just said it's zane it's uh that, that's a really hard thing for us as as uh, as stand-up paddlers as well because our favorite surf break, you know, Honolulu Bay and windmills, they're heavy waves and we cannot stand a paddle out there. We, we don't do it. And when people go out there and attempt to do it, people, the boys are calling us and we're the people that need to go and regulate and tell people to get out of the water because we are the locals from that side of the island that are representing the sport, that are trying to innovate the sport and push the sport. And we need to set a good example. So... Um, un unfortunately, there, there are you don't need to be stand-up paddling at, at certain places. You know, you need to respect the rules, and it's a really bummer that you know a lot of places, especially in Southern California, you're not uh, not allowed to do it. You know, but uh, uh, th there are some safety issues when it comes to that and and hydrofoiling. People see hydrofoiling, and just like you were saying, they're instantly relating it to stand-up paddling, and it's going to give stand-up paddling an even worse name that we're already trying to overcome, and we're already trying to prove opposite. So um, anybody out there that's that's really thinking about getting into hydrofoiling or anything like that, please do it wisely. Please realize that you are at the forefront of this sport. You know, if if you're about to buy one in the next year, you're one of the first few people getting into it. And there's going to be people looking at you, whether you know how to do it or not. So please make sure you're doing it wisely and setting a good example for other people. Well said. What do you think about that, Zane? 
<coughs> yeah, Maddie hit the nail on the head with with everything he said there. I mean, it's something that's uh, a a new craze, and there's a lot of foils being ordered. Um, so. People need to understand the responsibility they're taking on when it comes to uh, not just themselves, um, but more so other people. Um, you know, you really have to be uh, mindful of other ocean goers, um, of your environment, meaning the reef and uh, kelp beds and other things like that as well. Because if you hit one of those while you're up flying, you're going to come to a complete stop and catapult. Um, so you want to make sure you got clear water, enough water to clear the bottom, and uh, you want to make sure there's not anyone around. You don't need a great wave, like Maddie said. Surf, these things are made to surf waves that aren't even looked at as waves. I'm not even kidding you. You could surf a wake from a boat passing by. From a windsurfer. You like, could from a bicycle, like yeah. we said. <laughs> Check out my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a lot of uh, opportunity for this. Like for example, I took this thing out at Columbia River Gorge um, just a few weeks ago, and any surfer would look at that and say, "This looks like a windy pile of soup." You know, that's not surfable. That's not even a wave. You know, I was out there riding a wave for 25 minutes, getting rail to rail turns more than I could even count. And it felt like surfing. That's for darn sure. We were at, turns out these things are made for the, that. You know, this is a river that has wind blowing the wave, blowing the water, creating a little swell that runs down the river. And these things, you could surf it. It's amazing. So take these things out into uh, waves that you wouldn't expect to be surfable, where people don't want to surf. That's where that's where you could have fun on these things. What's the experience feel like riding a hydrofoil? I like to really relate it to uh, a type of meditation, almost. It's so serene. You know, you you're you're trying to focus yourself before you even get up, before you even get on it. You know, kind of similar to like stepping on a slack line you know when you get on a slack line you're you better be ready to hit your butt if you're not in the right heads head space you know so you know on this thing you, you're focusing all your balance and uh when you get when you when you get it up and the board releases the surface of the water everything goes quiet yeah. it's, it's almost like if you heard static for 10 minutes and then it turned off you would have forgot it was there but you'd feel so relieved you know what i mean like the, if that if you heard static for 10 minutes you would almost forget that it's playing because you'd get comfortable with that noise but when it's when it's up when that static turns off when that foils up in the air everything goes quiet it's just so serene so peaceful and it's just you keeping in your state of balance keeping the center of gravity over that foil and um, it's so smooth and efficient. There's nothing pulling you. You're just moving. The only thing is your your control of positioning on the swell is the thing that's uh, um, controlling your efficiency. Because if you're in the right spot on the swell, that foil is just going to keep going. And it's amazing how just free it feels there's no nothing pulling you no drag no noise there's no wake coming off the foil it's just slicing leaving no trail which is amazing to me it's, it's really cool yeah i want to try it at some point i think i think it'd be really 
I can't I can't tell from from watching the videos how much it's gonna feel like surfing. Um, I don't think you know it's different. Yeah, it's it seems different. different. It's yeah. it's so much different. You know, the way you look at the wave is completely different. Yeah. You know, like when you when you lean that thing over, it accelerates. And it's not gonna stop accelerating, <laughs> like you know. It's if you, if you try and surf it like a regular board, you're gonna go out in front of the wave, you know, and then you're gonna stop, and it's gonna, and you're not gonna do it right. Like you see Zane, almost sometimes he's almost out behind it. You know, you you really have to think ahead of yourself, almost even your turns and all of your uh, your your body movements almost have to be one second ahead. You got to be thinking ahead of ahead of time because everything's a little delayed. But especially with riding the waves, watching Zane, I mean, he's trying to figure out it's a whole nother type of way riding. You're not riding the wave. You're getting pulled by the energy underneath the wave. Is it more precise than surfing? Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. You know, it's like you have to be on in a perfect balance. You know, you, you can't, your feet have your feet have to be in the perfect spot. And if they're not, you better make that micro adjustment or else shortly after you're going to probably fall. Now with this all said, you know, it's sounding like this super hard thing. Um, slack line's a hard thing. The first person to ever jump on a slack line, you know, you're going to, it's going to be a hard time. You can't just expect that you're going to jump on this thing and go like stand-up paddling stand-up paddling is one of the easiest sports in the world to take on and to learn you learn it in minutes with the right conditions and the right equipment um you have to definitely expect that this is going to be a learning curve you know you have to know that uh it's it's something that takes uh that takes balance not just in the head but on the body but with all this said i just recently hosted my first hydrofoil clinic um in san diego and it was the first hydrofoil clinic that i know of definitely the first that i've ever hosted and we had about 25 30 people and every single one of them got up foiling and nine i'd say 90 percent of them got up within their first three tries and this was behind a boat with a rope i like to teach uh, behind a boat or i recommend that people learn behind a jet ski or a boat with a rope because then you don't have to worry about the different elements and think about timing you could just think about your f position on the board and the balance get comfortable with uh, where to stand and and what the balance feels like because it's different once you get comfortable with and figure out where you should be standing and figure out your footwork and, and that balance get comfortable with the different type of balance then you could take it into the into the surf and um after you dial in the surf then you take it into downwind open ocean and that's where you really start to have fun and just it's just you in the ocean um but like i was saying back for the clinic every person got it um and 90 percent of them within the first three tries so alex aguera um he's the one designing and uh evolving these these foils to what they are today he's been um doing a lot of work he's the founder of gofoil um really popular hydrofoil kite surf hydrofoil company um they're one of the top uh hydrofoil uh kite surf um hydrofoils um and lately he's developed you know a pretty user-friendly hydrofoil which is the first of its kind that i know of because every other hydrofoil before this has been really precisely for experts 
and these foils are not made um, for high speed they're not made for radical maneuvers or turns they're made for low speed lift and stability and that's exactly what you're getting. I mean, it's it's amazing how how much uh, stability these things have compared to any other foil. Um, they're a whole lot different looking too, if you've ever seen them. Um, but yeah, so that's I think that's a really long answer to your question. Uh, never try, never attempt to hydrofoil us without the right equipment as we've seen with some other people if you try to use the uh, kite surf hydrofoil and go out surfing with it it's uh, it's going to be death yeah it's i tried not to mention it because there's there's one guy out in japan a friend of mine um uh he he actually um put a kite surf foil. he was all excited about it wanted to do it put a kite surf foil on his sup sup board and that thing kicked back like <laughs> kicked back and hit him right in the head <laughs> and he got st stitches all across you know from his head all the way down his face and um he's lucky he didn't die um so it is again the safety part of it make sure you're using the right equipment you know do you're doing it at the right place you're using the right equipment you're wearing the leash you're in the right location you know, away go, from people. Go check out GoFoil. You know, like Zane said, Alex Aguera, they have the carbon fiber ones. They're the, the safest, best foils you can get out there. The, even Starboard's got a line that connects straight. You can stand up paddle the board and then uh, just go and put the foil on and then go foil the board. So it's it's a great it's great new boards that next year they're coming out with. And uh, make sure you're using the right equipment because sa safety with these things really will be first. All right. Keep the mic, Maddie. Um Video is such a big part of feedback and progression. And a question that I have been getting more and more is, what type of camera setup should I buy for my husband, my wife, my friends to be able to video me so I can start training from video? You're the expert photographer. What should folks, if they're looking for a, a good setup, mm -hmm. you know, beginner setup, mm -hmm. to uh, to just use? Now we're not talking about stuff that you're doing yeah. and that caliber of video. We want just clean video for uh, coaching. Yeah. Type. Well, you know, most importantly, uh, especially to get surfing, usually surfing you're a little bit far out, so you're gonna need to get a lens that can go, you know, a minimum 200, 200 millimeters. You know, a two hundred millimeter lens. They sell some really nice cheap ones. Um, I am a Canon guy. Almost everything I have is Canon. So, um, you know, one of the great cheaper end Canon uh, cameras right now is the uh, T4i, I believe. Canon T4i. You can buy them at Costco, full set with lens and everything, ready to go, under a thousand dollars, I think. Uh, so that that's a great one, as well as the um, you know the Lumix GH4. It's a uh, it's uh, again another great camera. The Lumix makes another one right underneath it. I believe the GH3. It's even a little bit more affordable. So, um, yeah, those are those are a few great ones. And uh, basic settings for someone wanting to capture surfing. Great question. You know, everybody does different things with that. I really like a. Um, I like to double my use my shutter speed. I like to double my shutter speed. So double my frames per second. So. You know, if I'm shooting 30 frames a second, I like to usually keep my shutter speed at about uh, 60, or again double that 120, which on my camera is 125. But I, I like to keep my shutter speed really low. Uh, keep keep it at what my frames per second are, do doubling that somehow. That way, I'm able to keep a really low ISO. Um, I really like to keep my ISO as low as possible. So most of the time, I'm shooting on. 100 which is as low as my ISO possibly goes because uh, I want to stay away from any grain any graininess if I need to bring out the lights in post-production if I need to bring out the shadows anything like that 
want to keep the graininess really to a minimum. And what do you shoot? What's your professional setup? Uh, right now, my I'm shooting a lot with my Canon G. I mean, sorry, my uh, Lumix GH4, just because it shoots 96 frames a second. That's what a lot of my slow motion stuff that I've been doing lately. Shot on my GH4, and 90% of what I, what I do with that camera is the slow motion. Does some great 4K as well. Uh, honestly, the camera's <laughs> built uh, not anywhere near as strong as a Canon. Uh, you drop the thing, you're, you're probably going to break it, you know, and that's the price comes with that. It's not as expensive as a uh, my Canon 5D Mark III, which my favorite thing I have. I can shoot weddings, photography. I can do videography. It's just amazing. The colors, everything, and then um, uh, besides that, I'm just completely obsessed with my my osmo right now my my handheld little thing that everybody saw me running around with at the ppgs it's just the take my drone camera it fits right on my handheld little so stabilizer it's osmo yeah it's great yeah we bought one for the second project that we did that awesome. i just loved man yeah it's i mean the caliber of video because i looked at like renting a ronin or something like that but then like yeah, you don't need like 600 bucks. Like yeah. what? Yeah, and if you got if you have a nice ca camera on it, like the uh, the DJI, the new X5, which which I'm using right now, or the X5 Raw, you know, I mean they're thousand three thousand dollar cameras, but that little tiny thing fits on my handheld stabilizer, and it's like a Ronin. It's it really is. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. All right, how are you guys doing on time? You have time for a couple fan questions? Go for it. Okay. This is gonna be the exciting part. Here we go. <laughs> So we posted up on Instagram yesterday uh, if anyone wanted to ask Zane some questions. And we got a ton of feedback, which was beautiful. So thank you guys for chiming in. Um, let's start with one from Godfrey. Um, one of our most, yeah. one of our uh, biggest, biggest supporters. Yeah. Godfrey Dufrost, jo Joffrey, right on, brother. Oh, Thanks for all the support. Um, all right. So he says, question, just hold on, don't let go, which is... Uh, I don't know if that's something that you say all the time, but in the win of the Ultimate Waterman, the poster that came out said, just you know, hold on, don't you know let what? go. That, that's really that beautiful. Yeah. I even shared that, that, you know, and that was a quote that Zane said. And again, he's, he's such a great guy. You know, he follows so much stuff. It is. I think that was just something Zane said during that event in an interview. Uh -huh. And he made that little that little poster, put it on social media. I saw that. I was. I thought it was so professional. I thought it was from the Ultimate Waterman. I I, repo I reposted that. I was like, "That's a sick shot," you know. And, and then I'm like, I'm like, wait, I think that's my photo, or maybe that's Eric Ader's photo. Wait, where, where'd that come from? You know. Well, I hope it's like, okay that it made it into the progression project at oh, the right end. There. No, he's he's probably stoked. If, uh, if we need to ask for rights from anybody on that, let yeah, me know. God, be great, beautiful. great job. And that, that photo is Eric Ader too. He's he's a legend, great guy from Maui too. So. Godfrey will be stoked to have uh, <laughs> to have that in the progression project. Yeah, that's so sure. good. All right, so he asks, just hold on, don't let go. Um, uh, what's in that insane line that keeps you on track of not letting go? Or how do you convince yourself on days when you really don't want to get out there? Or times after a bit of disappointment or bummer situations? How do you stay motivated? That's a, such a good question. Um, you know, Everybody thinks that I just roll over out of bed and I'm doing push-ups and I'm just this happy guy I am, you know. And it's you know it's not true. 
I, I have a stomach condition that makes me pretty uncomfortable every day when I wake up. And um, I'm, not, I'm not every day thinking, it's not the first thing on my mind. Oh, I'm going to go surf, I'm going to go train, I'm going to be the best I could be. Um, yes, I'm going to be the best I can be. But usually the first thing on my mind is, oh my God, I need to, go to, the, need to run to the bathroom where my stomach's in knots. I feel like crap. I want to sleep all day. Um, how, how, how am I going to race like this? You know, and so I have my routine of do, of, that I go through to get myself moving um, or to even get myself back in the correct mind state like if I if I get thrown off by a negative vibe or by a, a bummer situation like Godfrey asked and um, one of the biggest things that I've took on recently that um, that has helped me with you know to, to hold on and not let go and to always wake up being me is a uh, something that uh, a buddy called named Esma um, taught me and Esma she I met her in Dominican Republic during the Master of the Ocean event this year and um, that was back in March and she taught me a practice called mindful tapping and mindful tapping is a form of meditation that uh, you actually hit trigger spots on your body with your fingers and um, it's actually almost like a mix between acupuncture and meditation where it's almost like when you meditate you you sometimes are meditating to understand how you're feeling sometimes you're meditating to focus your thoughts on something particular or whatnot but um so what I do is uh, is do these this certain areas of tapping while um, first thinking how I'm feeling, then thinking how I want to feel, and then take what I what steps I'm gonna do to feel like that, and then and then saying a few things of gratitude. And um, I also have a, a journal that that I write in, and to be able to I guess not necessarily make expectations because you don't want to have expectations for your day but you want to be able to prepare and plan for what you want or what's going to make today good or or uh you know what what you're grateful for um so just hold on don't let go i actually wrote that in my journal um the morning of the prone race of the ultimate waterman i wrote that in my journal i said i wrote just hold on don't let go um, because I knew that it was going to be big waves, and I knew that um, the biggest thing is going to be maneuver, you no know, leash on these prone paddle boards. So in that, I was actually referring to just hold on to the board and don't let it go. <laughs> um, so, but it really does, it really does go great for for everything, for life, and um, I thank Godfrey for making that. Um, that, but uh, so great question. Yeah, real quick, that is a great question. You know, even some of Zane's best friends that know him best just think he's a complete wild man who's just completely no schedule or no, you know, he's just doing what he feels like doing. And, uh, you know, in the last few years, especially this year, there's been a really huge, huge change in, in Zane's um, approach to being a professional person, not just a professional athlete. You know, Zane's never been the person that comes home and watches TV when he's tired after surf. He, he doesn't have a TV in his room. You know, Zane is always consistently trying to better himself. And it's, uh, you know, it gives me chicken skin thinking about it sometimes. You know, he's, he's learning Hawaiian right now. He's really, really passionate about where he comes from and, and our culture. But uh, more importantly, you know, he's, you guys, every night he's, he's 
sending out emails as he's listening to podcasts. You he know? doesn't the same podcast I listen to. <laughs> Dude. Shout out to Tim Schiferis, bro. I love your stuff. Yeah, no, motivate me and inspire me every day, bro. Yeah. No, but seriously, he's 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 not just a surfer and this this whole outside picture that people see and i'm really excited for the next project we're going to work on this new video project that hopefully will be out by next year that zane and i want to do um to really get the insight of how dedicated he really is you know he like he he's he falls he like he just said when i wake up in the morning and get out of bed he doesn't sleep in bed half the time I'm telling you, he, he falls asleep in his chair with his face on his computer doing emails. And I got I wake up at three in the morning to go to the bathroom and I got to literally escort him into bed, turn off the lights and tuck him in, you know, but that's because that's the type of person he is. That's how dedicated he is. He, he's not like, all right, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep and go to bed. He, he does not do that. You know, he never, ever sleeps under the covers ever. If he has time to go to the bed, it's because he slept walk there from wherever he fell asleep at. Uh, but but that's the type of person he is. He wakes up in the morning. He does push-ups. He's he's listening to podcasts. He's not out there watching TV and messing around. He wants to better himself. Yeah, it was cool um, getting to see two very diverse sides of you on the progression project, right? Because the beginning of the trip was 100% surf focused, and then having a ton of fun at night. Not really partying, but just having a ton of fun. Everybody just joking around and the whole thing. And then all the guys left, and it was just Zane and I. And I'm friends with like like big time computer nerds and geeks and stuff. Cause I'm a big geek. Right. And, uh, you should have seen Zane's like whole mindset really want to learn as much as possibly could from some of the guys that we were, we were hanging out there for those couple of days. And so that was really cool to see kind of how you think about the fact that you're a professional athlete and you actually understand that, you know, there's a career here and you have to, work towards something other than just being incredibly good in the water yeah yeah i mean that's only gonna go so far i don't care how good you are at surfing it's pretty much over by the time you're 40 unless you're kelly slater or colin <laughs> phillips <laughs> um all right we got another qu oh actually one last thing i'd like to touch on and ask you about and this is something that's spending a lot of time around you um i've gotten to see firsthand and then your speech at the sup awards you took second place of the paddler of the year which is a huge honor there um but is the gratitude that you do have because you have been uh you're an insane athlete but then you've also had uh an incredibly uh, i don't want to call it luck but you were born into a family that was a waterman family in a place where you could excel at being a waterman uh, and you had supportive people around you mm -hmm. and it doesn't sound like you take any of that for granted and you realize how fortunate you are and i think every time you're given the uh the platform to say something you're always talking about gratitude and thank you and roots and family and the whole thing where does that come from um, I'd say, you know, majorly my, my parents, my, my grandparents, my family, my brother, big time too. Um, my dad always told me growing up, um, make sure that helmet fits. <laughs> and you know what that means is don't let your head get too big. No, no matter how good I did in the race or, or at the surf event, you know, make sure the helmet fits. And we always, we say that because we, we, my dad's really big in a dirt biker. He's an 18-time world champion, but he's a big dirt biker. And we've, Maddie and I have been racing dirt bikes since we were three years old. And so he's always told us, you know, make sure the helmet doesn't, make sure the helmet fits. 
And um, I think that's always resonated with me. And, you know, in Hawaii, the culture is strong and, and mana'o is something very, uh, very special. It's not just knowledge. Mana'o translates to, to, to knowledge. Um, but mana'o is a lot more than just knowledge. It's, it's, it's something that you take pride in, in passing on. And it's something that you take a lot of, uh, a lot of pride in, in earning as well. In Hawaiian culture, um, there was no written, written, uh, written history back, back in the day. It was all oral. And so mana'o was something, you know, if you were a fisherman, you'd learned your whole life how to fish, how to, how to learn, learn every trade of fishing and where the reef is best for fishing and what beach and what time of the day and then you get old and all that knowledge is going to go with you but instead they pass it you pass it on and that you share that mana'o that it's almost experience as much as it is knowledge and you share that that mana'o with with the younger ones and they take on where you left off and that is something that i think really resonates with me and that i why I try to um, always uh, give um, give credit to the people that I learn from and the people that have I guess been there for me um, because I, I don't this isn't all me where I am today is not all me you know like you said I've been I've been brought up in a great family I've been brought up in Maui one of the most healthy active places in the world with mentors surrounding me and with my dad's friends being the, some of the best watermen in the world like Laird Hamilton Brett Lickle Mike Waltz my brother and all his friends you know um, but but really you know at the end of the day to be able to learn from someone is uh, and be able to take that on for the rest of your life to me, I love learning. I'm passionate about learning. And, um, and I, I really hold it close to me when I learn a lesson from someone I, I appreciate. And I'm going to always um, know where that came from. And, yeah, so gratitude and appreciation is, is big time. And my grandma is, is definitely the biggest person to instill that on me in my life. Gratitude and appreciation. And that's really what that comes down to. Uh. Yeah, my my just my little bio thing on my Instagram. You know, you're all, you're, I believe it's you're only as great as the people you surround yourself with. And I always try to remind myself with that because um, the, the most important thing in life is the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. And uh, you you gotta you gotta always at the end of the day you gotta make sure you're you're sharing the aloha, you're sharing love, you're making connections. You're not you're not just talking about your achievements you're you're listening to other people and that's probably the most important thing that we've learned from our family and our hawaiian culture is to listen to listen to other people and their stories oh yeah good answer um then just follow up from godfrey uh maddie and zane you guys are such an amazing brother tandem um talking about the progression project film any mind-blowing or behind-the-scene facts that would make the target market more interested about it any good stories from the trip and um the, what what if anything does this film bring uh to the table that's new that's a really cool question again from godfrey um this film is different from others because you really see us being kids you see us being us not just the athletes we are and the people we we um you know we have built ourselves up to be 
But at the end of the day, we're a bunch of kids, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think that's going to be the coolest thing to watch everybody. To, to, I think that's going to be the coolest thing for the people who watch the Progression Project is, you know, we're just a bunch of kids and we're just like a lot of the other kids out there. It's just we, uh, you know, we have our, our goals and our, and our ambition and our discipline. Um, but, you know, when, when, uh, when, <laughs> when it's not time on the water, the, the camera's not rolling or when we're not training, you know, we're, we're just kids. We're, we like to have fun. We like to talk to each other. We like to play around, make jokes, play music, play pranks, and just uh, make the most out of every situation. You know, uh, I think you'll see us playing around a lot in the progression project with the Bush Boys singing and playing music and going out rambling on ATVs. And <laughs> I got I got a behind the scenes story that I'll tell real quick about about the ATVs. I, I don't think I, I was laughing to the point of crying the day that and I was actually crying the day that uh, that they were coming to pick up the ATVs. Because Zane's wouldn't work. He couldn't start it to go return it. It didn't even, it, it wouldn't, after the rambling through the jungle and the water and the whole thing, ATV was gone. So they had a time on when these folks were going to come over. It was like 10.30 in the morning. And I looked down, and it's like 10.30 in the morning, and Zane's down there. I was like, Zane, what are you doing? And he was super gluing the lights back on to the back, and they showed up while he was still doing it. <laughs> oh God! Uh, I was just crying. <laughs> luckily, I got a good good credit card that covers insurance. But yeah, I know it was all good. We we did we did thrash that thing. And the, there's a few clips in the movie of us rambling. The, yeah, the and they were kind of already gone when you guys rented them too. It wasn't yeah. like they were like new or anything like that. But, but when we say ramble, I'm I'm not talking like playing around on ATVs. Like we were straight up in riverbeds up to the seat charging up riverbeds four wheel drive you couldn't even see the tires like just underwater completely <laughs> and you know one of the biggest moments that i remember on that trip was was like oh my god this is sick go back home i'm taking my fins out of my surfboard i'm grabbing a rope and we're gonna tow surf in the jungle and we tied up the we tied up leashes to the back of the atv and we actually got towing i was towing behind the atv it, through the jungle like in the riverbed like it was so deep and we were moving enough that i was actually being pulled by the atv on my surfboard <laughs> through the jungle it was like what a trippy like moment in time like, you know little moments like that you know it could be a fraction of a second those are the priceless things that you remember forever and just just holding on to that rope looking at my friends looking back at me just cracking up laughing and just complete darkness besides the flashes of lightning that's going on and uh and the just each side just thick dense costa rican jungle <laughs> toe surfing in the jungle oh, so good. <laughs> all right from for all believers stoked for you brothers question how have you dealt with the pressures of fame it doesn't seem like it's corrupted you how do you stay zane right on um Thanks, thanks for the question. That's a really good one. Um, well, again, I think it goes back to our family, our family uh, values and our cultural values in Hawaii and um, uh, staying genuine. Um, that's always been something that my dad always has taught me. Um, you know, as much as my dad is 
the amazing athlete he is. He's an 18-time world champion. He's won the Barstow de Vegas and the Baja 500 on dirt bikes. He's an amazing surfer and skateboarder and just the, the most spectacular family man and, and the best father I could ever imagine for. But he's humble. He's genuine. He's going to talk to the bum on the street. It's the same. He's going to talk to you know his favorite athlete or the president. And... Um, my dad's a genuine person and um um i've always looked up to that because you know i hear stories about my dad on my travels it actually kind of brings tears in my eyes thinking about this because i really do hear more stories from my dad's friends on my travels than i do from him he doesn't talk about his his self and his achievements and you know i grew up knowing him as a dirt biker like he's an 18 time world champion windsurfer like and you know to to be able to hear these stories from his friends and 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 i guess see how much small actions can the ripple effect uh you know just the interaction with someone can make um inspired me to always be genuine and and you know to not have to worry about um i guess whatever other people think of you yeah, and you know, growing up, my dad's, you know, my my parents have always been more proud of the, uh, you know, the overall achievement award or the, uh, yeah, you know, sportsmanship award. You know, most importantly, you know, sportsmanship awards, Aloha awards. To us, you know, those were the things that uh, my parents got the most excited about. You know, whether it's, um, you know, there's a contest where. You know, a little kid in my heat, you know, in the same heat as me, lost, broke his leash and lost his board. And I gave the kid my board, you know, and just little things like that, you know, are, are much more important than, than winning a contest and getting a trophy, you know, because that trophy is going to dust up. You're going to forget about it. But the little kid or the person you help out, they're, ne they're never going to forget that, you know. And uh, again, it's just helping one another, just, you know, spreading, spreading aloha, spreading the aloha vibe, you know, don't it's not about ourselves we're, we're all connected together in this world and that's what's so special about being surfers it really reminds us that we're all connected and uh you know we're all just as important as as everyone else all right from andrew coleman who's a good friend of mine from florida he comes down all the time to surf with us uh so shout out to dr drew um new shapes that are coming out from starboard that you're working on right now he is uh andrew is actually demoing a hypernut today but wanted to know about what's happening uh in in starboard progression and and then actually let's take that question then into the process of how you go about developing a board okay so let's deepen that question a little that's bit. an awesome question andrew um First of all, I'm so proud to be a, a team rider and a developer with Starboard. I've been riding for Starboard since I was uh, 12 years old, and um, they've been my number one supporter ever since. Always believed in me, always supported me. And um, to be able to, I guess, grow with the company has been awesome. Um, we got a lot of new exciting stuff coming about uh, prog with progression, but almost more so uh, that what I'm more exciting about aside from the progression and how much better the boards are getting in performance and weight and, and strength, but is the actual construction and the direction that Starboard is going as a company. Um, you know, by, by 2018, Starboard plans to be 100% plastic free and carbon neutral. 
you know um they they plan on planting one billion mangrove trees every piece every every sale from starboard they're planting one mangrove tree so they're they're moving into a, a really cool direction they've they've invested so much money on r&d and re research and development on for alternative materials that are more sustainable and better for the environment that are still uh we're yet still affordable and work just as good if not better and um you know with their recent r&d collaborating with water trek parlay for the ocean and sustainable surf they've they've actually dialed it down they now all the boards with starboard for 2017 and further are going to be eco boards um alternative materials um and they're working awesome i mean not only are they made from pine and bio glass and blue carbon but they're working better is the coolest thing um so aside from the the awesome direction that starboard's going um you know really making an example of of working with nature and working with our environment and uh, not contributing to the problem um that's the most exciting thing that i'm i'm excited on with starboard right now but for progression and innovation when it comes to actual design um the starboard pro models are now including interchangeable tail systems on the 7.2 and 7.5. This is super exciting because these interchangeable tail systems essentially turn one board into three. You could have a pintail and then take it off and you have a sharp squash tail. You could put a fish tail. You know, it's 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 amazing. And you would think that it would not really do much, just a small little you know piece of foam coming on and off the board but it really does change the performance of the board and you know in waves say sunset beach little more face little more speed i would put the diamond tail on have a nice smoother bottom turn more more a uh, larger arced turns um and more fluid rail to rail maneuvers where if i want if i'm surfing a beach break or something that neat requires a little more explosive and and squirrely maneuvers then i'll take the take the the adjustable tail off and you have a sharp squash tail that's explosive and reactive and really quick and more pivotal it's uh it's amazing how much it changes the boards and uh, so for me, I'm really excited about that because now I could be so much more confident traveling on the world tour with just one board. And really, I could trust that with Starboard because they're strong. They're not going to break during travel. They're they're really just strong boards. They they're they're hard to break, and I don't. I don't worry as much traveling with them because I know they thrash them and um, I know that I'm going to be prepared for whatever the ocean throws at me with my pro model, the 7.2 and uh, the interchangeable tail system is also included on the 7.5. Uh, that's a good point about the indestructibility of the starboards. I always keep one in my quiver because, you pay for them, sure. yeah, you know, I mean, I, I haven't ever broken one. And I've broken a lot of boards. Mm -hmm. And so I know I always, like, I, uh, the 7.4, I bought one off of Sean at the end of that, the progression project week was the 2016 7.4. And I like it. It's not exactly made for me. It's not exactly the dimensions I would get if it was custom. Mm -hmm. But I ride it all the time. And I ride it every time it gets heavy and I'm going to a beach break, it's the board I bring because you got <laughs> all the custom boards it. I break. Yeah. Um, but no, I've, I've actually had some really good waves on that board. I love it.
talk a little bit about, and this was another question that came in, the difference in the carbon construction and then the epoxy uh, constructions where, and the flex patterns. Do you find, how do you find the ride between the harder, uh, less flexible carbon boards and the more flexible epoxy boards? You find so much more uh, responsive uh, reactiveness, so much more response and, and acceleration and flick with these, these brushed carbon boards, more specifically, um, the ones that Starboard offer. They, they, they're not just sandwich construction boards. They've true, they're, they're dissecting the, these boards. They have a really cool video actually where, um, you know, they do a, a mock little Iron Chef thing. And it shows the, how, um, how starboards are made as opposed to most other sandwich construction stamp power boards. The amount of art of, of development and, um, time and, and that goes into these boards. It's amazing from different sections from the 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 bottom quarter to the standing area to two different sections of the nose there's different angles of of carbon um placement so if if you know anything about laying a board when you put the glass down you put the carbon down the if the the more parallel your angles get the more um the more your board is going to is going to be more stiff Okay. The more you start to start to lay them over each other and cross, the more horizontal they get on the board. The more it's gonna it's gonna be flex flexible. And so there's different positions of this pattern, the way they lay the glass and the different even um, the amount of of carbon or or pine or bio glass that they put on the board. Um, in the different areas, it's almost like it's split up between three different segments. Um, but yeah, so the construction makes a huge difference. I only ride brushed carbon um, because they're the best boards, they're the lightest, and they're gonna last forever. Um, the, the AST and uh, the glass construction, they're great, but they're not gonna be nearly as uh, responsive uh, or, and not as light and durable. So I go with uh, brushed carbon every time, the blue carbon. All right, uh, let's do two more here real quick. Uh, and let's do this one pretty quickly. Uh, if, uh, this is from Epic Board Sports. Yeah, Epic. Uh, you have such a passion for instruction. I've seen it in action at our shop with our customers and kids. What are your three tips for paddlers who want to get started in the waves? And these don't have to be in depth. What are the three things though that folks can go explore if they want to start getting into waves? Mahalo Jennifer and the crew over at Epic. Um, great question. So three tips that are gonna help you guys getting into the waves. We, we touched on it a little earlier, but I'll, I'll say it again, because it's very important. Practice your push and pull of the paddle, even if it's in flat water with no waves. Practice paddling in a straight line. Uh, practice doing circles to the left and circles to the right um, with not changing your paddle, keeping your paddle on your front side. If you could uh, steer yourself um, in the desirable direction, 
without having to change your, your side, that's going to up your wave count big time. And uh, so that's number one. Number two, um, the hammering technique. Hammering technique is also something that you're going to see most pro subsurfers doing where, you know, you see their chest dropping to their front foot and their bodies going up and down and the, the board looks like it's porpoising through the water. And I call that the hammer technique. And so uh, you have your front foot you're in your surf stance with um so surf stance meaning one foot out in front of the other and um when the paddle enters the water you actually slam your chest to your front knee and what that is 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 putting gravity and leverage into the entry of your stroke which is uh you know allowing some push without using as much effort but it's also pushing that nose down the face of the wave or even just across the water pushing the nose down and as you start to pull back with the paddle through the water you transition your weight from that front knee to your back knee coming to a standing position and that's what makes that porpoise effect the board goes down as you bury and lean forward and enter the paddle of the water and then as you pull back it you transition your weight to your back foot and it you almost float up and out of the water. And so you want to practice this porpoise technique or the hammering technique where when the paddle enters the water in your surf stance, slam your chest down to your knee, your front knee, and then as you pull back, come to a standing position and kind of get the board to do a push, push, push. And that helps down the face of the wave when you slam your chest to your knee, especially when you start to get on the face of the wave. But uh, it's number three. Uh, number three would be um, practicing your turns in flat water. So if you want to practice a front side turn in flat water, you could go get some speed, paddle, get a little bit of momentum, and then when you're ready to do your turn, you step back into your surf stance, reach forward, put that blade right up against the rail of the nose, and then you get low and do a big rainbow stroke where you paddle as far away from the rail of the board as you can, and you swing that paddle. Don't stop at the tail. You hook all the way around the tail like a buoy turn. So you practice you practice that in flat water where you throw the paddle in, do a wide rainbow stroke, and you hook the paddle all the way around the tail, and you get comfortable doing that motion because essentially that's what you're going to be doing on the wave when you're going down the line for a front side turn or a, a cutback you want to get comfortable using that paddle to throw your momentum in the direction you want really important to hold that paddle behind the tail and even hook around so that's my three tips all right i'll do three really quick ones really quick ones hit us all right my three like i said always get low make sure to really stay low because it helps your center of gravity number two that people always forget about even myself all right you guys eyes up eyes up um everyone always especially when you're learning in the waves you're always really paranoid about where your feet are you're looking at your board you know look look in front of yourself look where you want to go look down the line and yes do a little bit more feeling don't don't be so critical and analyze everything in your head look down the line feel it out um next one is using your front hand making sure you know where you have your paddle don't make know how to use your paddle on your waves don't just be surfing a wave while you're holding your paddle make sure you're cross bowing utilizing your paddle it should be helping you and enhancing your paddle stand-up paddling and not hindering your surfing all right and the last question of the show is from maddie leblanc what's your favorite land training to do for paddle boarding during 
she's from Canada, winter months, but out of the water training. Yeah, great question, Maddie. Uh, so when I'm when I'm uh, not on the water training for sub surf, good good activities to do or any cardio activities, um, anything that gets you breathing. Um, I think yoga is a great activity because it f- calms you, focuses you, helps your your breathing. Um, but bike slackline is a big exercise I've taken on, which has I think really helped my subsurfing and my overall balance. Uh, Tightrope or slacklining, um, that's awesome. If you could slackline, you're gonna anybody could do it. Yeah, you could do it anywhere. You could do it. And, you know, cold, you don't need to be, you know, you could do it in the snow if you wanted. <laughs> but um, so slacklining is a great one. Um, another good activity, you know, in the winter season, if it's snowing out, cold out or whatever, is um, maybe even if you can, if you have access to it, uh, snowboarding or skateboarding, getting that rail to rail, you know, sensation where you could still practice twisting your shoulders and guiding your turns with your hands and your eyes and uh, just stay active really um, stay healthy stay active and uh, have fun mix it up with balance it doesn't have to be all cardio I like to have fun with my activity activities and exercises doing balance um, meditation um, and cardio and all kind of things you know mix it up um, great question Maddie thank you guys for all the questions for anyone who tuned in and and uh, you know asked us a little bit uh, about how we do things and whatnot. We're proud to share our mana'o, our knowledge and experience with you guys. And um, really hope that you guys can give us a follow on our social media platforms so we can keep in touch. I'm Zaniac1 on Instagram, Z-A-N-I-A-C-1. My brother Maddie is uh, Matso, M-A-T-5-0. Um, and on Facebook, Matso Media and Zane Kekoa Schweitzer. But um, you guys uh, stoked you guys tuned in. Thank you, Eric. Paddlewoo, so stoked to always jump on the podcast with you guys. Mm-hmm. Unreal stuff. Hopefully see you on the water. You guys. Hey, one more little thing real quick. I know we got to run, but um, I'd like to go out and challenge almost all you guys to uh, to a new thing that we're, we're starting together with uh, Sustainable Surf. And uh, Zane, Zane and uh, Mike over there at Sustainable Surf are in Indonesia, and there's plastic all over, and they just together create an idea to start a, almost a, like a nice bucket challenge type thing for everybody, but instead doing something great for the world, and that's a pocket of plastic. So you guys, anybody, whether you're surfing or walking down the beach or whether you're just literally walking across the street, you, know, um, you do not have to go out and get a trash bag and go do a trash cleanup or anything like that. Uh, we, we want it to become a habit of just when you're when when you're doing your everyday thing when you're whether you're paddling surfing walking down the beach walking down the side of the road if you see a piece of plastic piece of trash go in front of you pick it up there's usually trash can close by you have pockets you guys almost all of us have pockets so um yeah if you if you want go ahead take a photo of it hashtag pocket of plastic and uh, tag a couple friends and challenge them to do something good good in this world i mean if you can imagine if half or even 25 percent of all the surfers in the world did this pocket of plastic challenge two days a week it really would make a huge difference in this world not just for the actual plastic in the ocean but just the example that you're setting when people see that it changes their thought process and you know it's all about setting an example and as a surfer 
um, we respect the ocean. It provides so much for us, and we have to do something um, for the for the, our environment right now. Because at this point in time, by uh, 2050, there'll be more more plastic and weight in the ocean than fish. And uh, you know, you, well, we're gonna you cha challenge all you guys to go ahead and uh, challenge, go do it yourself, and challenge some more friends. You know, it's it's don't don't feel weird about it. It's a it's a great thing. You're setting a good example, and it's doing something great for the world. Hashtag pocket of plastic love it guys thanks so much for being a part of it i know you guys got a jet but this has been wonderful there's so much meat in this i might even break it into two shows it's like this is great so thank you thank you and again paddle awesome everybody thank you for tuning in really really appreciate all the support from uh, from you guys thank you very much oh yeah Aloha. it's the paddle podcast